why? Why did you want to put uh, your passion on the page? Uh, yeah. Um, basically, I, I saw and experienced this thing that I, everywhere across Canada, which was the phenomenon of all of us watching hockey together, which sounds super simple, but no one had really kind of given it the homage I thought it deserved. You know, we are kind of well-versed here in the, the romance of, like, pond hockey and getting your first stick and all that stuff. But I, I, I thought equally Canadian, equally uh, vital, and, and um, equally worth articulating is the, the culture of watching the games together. You know, I, I knew that in all the sort of huddled, uh, li my living room, my friends' living rooms, bars, uh, nosebleeds, wherever, you, you, you get in these really neat conversations often. You know, you, you talk about the game at hand that you're watching, but something will happen in the game that makes you, that reminds you of something that happened in another game that was pretty crazy, and then that gets you spiraling into, oh yeah, well, that, oh, I remember when that, my dad lost his shit that day, and all this, that, and the other, and you, and it, you talk about records, you talk about all sorts of different things, but it keeps coming back to the game. And, and I adore Ken Dryden's The Game, and I was like, I'm going to attempt to write a, a, a fan's companion piece to that book, which is the macro experience of what it is to watch hockey your whole life. Yeah, you did a fantastic job. Thank I, you. I, I love uh, if, when you read the book, guys, there's, he writes really eloquent prose. Like, he'll write this really deep nice paragraph, nice and then, but then at the end he'll say, or fucking something like that. <laughs> You'll add like a Jay Baruchel oh, idea. Oh, always, yeah, a lot of talk of, a lot of fucks, a lot of references to <laughs> pubes right. and stuff. Right, right, right. St. Pubes, the St. Hubert yes, you were referred right. to. Yes, that's right. My friends and I all call St. Hubert's uh, pubes. That's our nickname right. for it. It's just St. Hubert's became, Hubert's came, became Hubes, became pubes. So it's that, and that's the equivalent of Quebec as like Swiss Chalet we call Dirty Bird here, right? Yeah, that's exactly right, except yeah. for pubes is only my friends. <laughs> no one's like pubes tonight. It's like, you don't say that to a stranger. They're not going to know what I'm talking about. Hey, man, you, you hungry for pubes like me? You know? <laughs> I don't see that yielding good results. Yeah, there's a lot of chicken and weed uh, in the <laughs> hockey game watching with you and your friends from then, right? A lot of chicken and weed in this A lot of chicken book. and weed. Pubes and weed. Uh, but the one I like both those things a lot. <laughs> I, I learned a lot. Like, I, I don't pretend to know you well. You and I have... Uh, we know uh, each we've other, We've done some things. Though, yeah. We had lunch once. I directed you. Right, you directed me, your finest work ever <laughs> uh, in Goon 2. But... I learned a lot in here, and one of the things I learned, I just kind of assumed, and, and if you watch Tim's video, you'd assume that Jay just loved the Habs from the day he was born, and that's it. And it's not really the case. In fact, your dad was a huge Habs fan, but you kind of weren't interested for the longest time. For that reason, because you sort of, you know, it, 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 a lot of people rebel against where, what they were raised in. And if you have a sort of carousing, fist-fighting, hockey-playing father, and you are none of those things, uh, you, you look for means of identifying yourself. And, and when I was a kid, I was like, no, that, that stuff, that's all dad. Hockey is for dad. My thing is movies and comics, you know? Um, and, then, and then eventually, obviously, I, I, I got to an age where I was like, well, that's a s stupid fucking thing to think because, like, you know, I, the, the two are not mutually exclusive, right? And, and um, but it was only, it was only uh, when, when Dad kind of passed away that I was able to sort of take them on as my own. Right. You, I remember the moment that happened for me in the Habs. I was home high as shit flipping channels on mom's couch sometime in the early part of 2001, scrolling through the channels, I happened upon a Habs game. I've flipped past plenty of hockey games in my time, but this time I saw it. It was a few things that got me, not the least of which was the novelty of happening upon something so special. Montreal, I guess, because you'd been in L.A. somewhat, right? That's the thing, you know, and so it was a combination of things. It was like I, I, I started working in the States in L.A. when I was uh, 18 years old, and... Um, that just vulcanized any any sort of patriotic instinct I had, you know? Like, I already came out of the crucible of, like, post-referendum Quebec, uh, you know? That'll, if if you're a federalist, that makes you very, very patriotic, and it puts a bloody maple leaf tattoo on your, on your heart or something stupid like I did. Um, and then being plucked from there and dropped into the States, you know, I... I, I uh, gravitated to anything that I knew and anything that was ours and from my house. And 
um, and I met so many expats down there, and Canadians abroad uh, speak hockey to each other. That's a, that's a means of kind of like, that's our secret language, and it, and it was sort of like, you know, I wasn't missing out, but it was something that I'd kind of, I'd turn my back on to a certain, to a certain extent. Now, 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 when I say that, I do need to reference that, like, it's not like I had another team, right? I just threw the baby out with the bathwater, but even in my most sort of, the, the like, the, the n n nadir of my hockey atheism, uh, uh, that's an asshole sentence, uh, um, <laughs> So the book is full of <laughs> self-important asshole sentences. But, um, you know, um, e even, even when I was the least interested in hockey I ever was in my life, I still had a great deal of, um, there, there was a sort of respect I had, which is sort of like the same, like if, you, if your parents were a religion but you're not, you know, you won't necessarily, you, you might shit on it, but you also might just be like, that's not my thing but I understand where that comes from and I respect it because it was there before me and it was my parents' thing and it's their parents' thing. So I never, so even if I wandered away to find my own path, I never like disparaged or shit on it or anything like that. And I always still rep the Habs, even like we were living in Oshawa for five years and I got, you know, my dad would send me, my parents would send me to school covered in Habs crap. And there was like- Get beat up because of that? Um, no, because I, because nobody kicked my ass in high in elementary school. I was the same size as everybody in elementary schools. When I got to high school, <laughs> that, that was that I got my ass kicked. But I, 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 it was it was funny is that like I would get made fun of constantly for wearing a Habs like starter jacket or whatever. And then, lo and behold, the year 1993 rolled around, and I remember. And again, like I said, I wasn't like following hockey, but what I remember distinctly is coming to school one day. And all the kids who made fun of my jacket were like, no, that's good, that's good, they're a good team, they're, they're, that's a good team, that's a pretty good team, man, that's a pretty good, I was like, what the hell happened? I'm wearing the same crappy toque and jacket I've been wearing, you know, for five years. So. Um, the other thing about the book, and, and you touched on it here, is you get heavy. Like you say, the book is about being a fan and the life of fandom and, and, and the worship of that team, but you spill a lot of your personal stuff in there, yeah. including about, about your father, who was the guy that got you into it. And yeah. I'll, you know, I'll read something pretty heavy near the end of it, if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah, sure. Sorry, uh, everyone. This is about his dad. By the end, he would be damned well close to penniless and living off his girlfriend, Linda. He was buying handguns and picking fights on Crescent Street and suffering from the pain of having a son who refused to have any contact with him. He faded away and finally OD'd in 2004 at the age of 49. Uh, he would leave behind a great deal of debt in childcare owed to my sister and to me, as well as a legacy that is contradictory to itself as it is fundamental to my everyday life. Um, Jesus Christ. That's a lot you poured out. That's a heavy book. Uh, yeah. Who wrote that? It's not. There's a lot of light stuff we'll get into, but uh, I thought that was important to share. Yeah. And I, I want you to, you can feel free to shoot this down, um, but I, I thought when I put down the book, you know, you're, you talk about your dad lovingly in many ways and that he was an asshole in many ways. Yeah. And that's clearly you know, a complicated guy. Yeah. A drug addict, an alcoholic. Yeah. Do you think that maybe you went back to the Habs as kind of your thing for him? Like, oh, definitely, yeah. man. That's, that's it. Because it, it, it all kind of happened around the same time. But I, I remember I was, I was in California when I heard that dad died. And... And I hadn't spoken to him in five years at that time, at the, you know, and, and um, I had always kind of assumed that I would get the chance to kind of figure it all out with him eventually, you know. Uh, if not, forgive him, at least bury a hatchet and find a way to, like, you know. I, I, I thought if I got to an age that I was old enough where I didn't need a dad and he could be my dad, but also we'd just be two men kind of hanging out, right? Because I... Uh, when I was a teenager and I like needed a dad, I didn't really have one, you know. And so I thought that like when I don't really need one, I can find a way to have him in my life again. Uh, but he died, and so, so I remember I went home, and uh, my sort of <laughs> it was weird. I my my like so I started watching the Habs a shitload, but I also remember I started like I did a bunch of things to as my like thing, which was like. Dad really liked uh, Newports and Cools, and so I, I smoked menthols for a year. I was just 
horrible. Um, do not endorse that. <laughs> disgusting and tastes like you're smoking toothpaste that's yeah you ever wanted to know what that felt like smoke a menthol um but yeah i like i we went up and i went up and yeah we buried him and and i had a shitload to reconcile because yeah had a lot of issues with him uh, a lot of issues with his family too he had issues with his family and all of a sudden i went from having dealt with none of it to dealing with all of it and i was able to sort of sit there it's going to sound incredibly hokey, but sit there in the living room, watch the Habs on the couch, and kind of, like, carry on the legacy. You know, I'm sitting in a spot he sat in. And, um, yeah, and it kind of just went from there. Oh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so the book is, has those heavy moments, but is, uh, the one thing I like about Jay is that he's all over the place in his <laughs> yes. creativity, an actor, director... Uh, commercials now, everything. <laughs> Guess the, like my bank the Comic books, soccer, hockey, he has all those loves. <laughs> but the book's kind of like that. Like, you read it for a while, and it's the normal book. And then all of a sudden, in the middle, it's like three emails to the teams that he hates. <laughs> like, four-page emails about, like, why I hate you, Maple Leafs, and why I hate you, Quebec Nordiques. And, and it, I'll, I'll read a little bit from the Nordiques one. It was just about the logo. So he writes... Familiarity breeds contempt, and our teams really seem like flip sides of the same coin down to our sweaters and our logos. Your weird igloo, ho igloo hockey player like a thing, like a fucked up, deconstructed version of our CH that was then reconstructed by Belgian art students. <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah, I uh, that I'm a big fan of my book. <laughs> You're supposed to be. <laughs> But then it goes, and then it goes into a, a fictional story you write about a, a kind of an obsessed Hab fan and a, a, a radio DJ on late night sports talk. Yeah, suffering, uh, suffering, and, and, like, the, the shittiest job in the world. Right. Man, man in the phones on post game on TSN right. 690. Which it is, it is the worst job, right? Those guys. <laughs> I always thought the Blue Jays guy in Toronto, Mike Wilner, he has to be like three hours after every Blue Jays game. Yeah. And it, it's the worst question. No, ever. and inevitably, there's always some guy who like comes in with like the dumbest yeah. possible take. Who's like, the, the, you know, I was like, I'd be like, I don't see why everybody hates Scott Gomez. He'd be like, really? What hockey games are you watching? You know? <laughs> right. And that's the one he uses. He works really hard. He works really hard. He shot every. I'm like, no, no. And it's the common thing in every market. I mean, we hear it in Toronto because we're here. But you'll be. I'll be driving home after doing a game, listening to it, and be like, so why don't we just. We'll get rid of Nylander, but if, don't drop Nylander, if Nylander for McDavid, if we get McDavid, if we throw a Nylander in a second. That's it. That's it. And there's That's always it. that guy. He's always like, yeah, man, just move <laughs> Perijogin for uh, Crosby and we'll be good. Right. Like, It'll that happen. trade will never happen. It'll happen. And then you've got some poetry uh, yeah, in the sorry book. sorry about that. Well. No, it's good. <laughs> yeah. But at, at the crux of it is what you talk about and, and your love for the Montreal Canadiens. You get into Goon, uh, which I know... Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And by the way, if you got movie you. questions, like I, I love talking to Jay about movies, but I always figure he's sick of talking about movies, so That's we'll fine. talk about his book tonight. But if you have questions about yeah, movies, talking about anything, I'm sure. I mean, the guy has worked with legends in acting like uh, Morgan Freeman. He worked with Clint Eastwood, uh, James Duffy in Goon 2. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, yeah, yes. as well. Yes. Yeah. I, and you know what? He's sexier in person. Oh my! At the rap party or the the night that Goon launched, my wife was just like <laughs> the entire time. It was humiliating for me. Um, yeah. So sorry. When Goon, when the first Goon came out, it was at the sort of the same time that uh, some of the deaths, some of our our fighters were dying, Rick Rippin and and Bugard and so on and so forth, and. And so you were getting peppered with questions about that. Of course. And how, how, what you thought about fighting. I'm going to ask you the question that you sort of ask in the book and let you answer it here. Okay. One can romanticize something, crystallize and heighten it for artistic consumption without putting the entirety of one's weight behind endorsing it. And that's what I believe the goon films do. They romanticize and make operatic one of the world's weirdest jobs. They show what's admirable and worth lauding about it, while also showing how intrinsically fucked up it is. I lied, there wasn't a question at the end of this. But, uh, <laughs> um, is that the best way of, is that the way you feel about those Goon movies? Yeah, like, because I, I, I remember somebody 
saying to me, asking me a very loaded, what I call like a mousetrap question, a question, you know. And Media I, doesn't do those ever. No, never, never, never. They're never looking for a soundbite to make it look like a huge, gaping arsehole. Uh, but uh, no, I remember them asking, so what do you say to the parent whose kid watches this and this glorifies hockey fighting and they want to do this afterwards? I was like, well, I'm not giving anybody any advice on what to tell their kids about anything, first of all. Uh, number two, I don't know that they should have let their kids see it. Number, no, but, but, but number three, I think that some people might think this is like uh, a, a sophism, but I, I really don't think it is. I think there's a distinction between romanticizing something and glorifying it, you know? Because I, 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 we, we, we endeavored, I mean, audience, well, the audience will judge whether or not we succeeded. But we endeavored to put to frame these movies in something of a gray area. Um, I was raised in a family that uh, loved fighters, loved hockey fights, um, and 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 grew up. I was raised with a certain respect for that job, um, especially for how sort of shit on it constantly was. Um, however, I also know how fucked up that job is and why it gets shit on. And it seems sort of like it would be hypocritical of me to not show what I like about it and what I think is best and admirable in it, but would also be terribly irresponsible to do that without showing at least any of the fucking consequences that come with choosing to do that for a living. So it, it's, it's something we, we tried our best to do is kind of not moralize, um, to, but, but, but to sort of uh, frame it the way that we felt it. Yeah, and I think especially in Goon 2, there's repercussions to yes, the fighting. They're, yes. they're, they're messed up. Yes, the, the that was, the try, that was like what we tried to do. And the timing was amazing because, especially with Goon 2, I think fighting was almost, that was almost dead. the moment yeah. that it was dead. Do you miss it? Oh, definitely. I, I, but, you know, and, and I want to be careful how I say this because it's like, um, it, it, ultimately, my, my opinion on it is sort of like, it's, you know, we, we can all talk about this stuff, but our opinions don't matter half as much as the players and the doctors, right? And if they tell me and tell us that it's bad for them and they shouldn't be doing it, I, it would be really awful of me to be like, oh, no, shut up, what do you know? I, I, I WebMD'd it, you're fine. You know, like, that's <laughs> stupid. Um, but, yeah, I miss it. And, and, like, I'm not a liar. I'm going to say, like, there's, like, I... I, I um, I, I have experienced the elation of rooting for my guy and watching him win a fight, you know, and, and, and have enjoyed every minute of it. And I was Did like... Did you have a favorite guy? Like Chris <laughs> Nyland, or was it... Yeah, uh, I... Um, well, I'll say, like, the last sort of fighter that I was, like, a big fan of was Ryan White. And... and, and I, yeah, I know, yeah. uh, but but when, when he would do his thing, let me tell you, the entire Bell Center would be up on their feet. Um, now, we can d debate why that is and what they're reacting to and blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I won't deny the effect it had on me and the majority of the stadium. And then I'd watch the game as well and see what it did to the game. Um, so do, do I miss it? Yes. Um, is, is hockey better without it? Uh, probably. I mean, history has already decided that. Uh, let's get to your love for the Habs um, before we get to the people out here. And I, I was confused. There was the question in here. Now, it may be gone because they're 6-2-2. Two two. <laughs> yeah. But um, Oh, God. Oh, God. I think I lost it. Oh, here we go. So what the fuck happened? Why have we lost our mojo in such a profound way? How do we turn from centerpiece to wallpaper, from life of the party to weird guy at the bar? When did the decline begin? When will it end, if ever? Why can't the Montreal Canadiens win another Stanley Cup? Answer your own questions. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where, where do you start? Um, I think, like, feel like we got to... Yeah, it's a hard thing because part of what makes... Uh, the Habs and being a Habs fan so special is obviously the H word, our history, you know. Uh, but I think that our history has suffocated us. And I think that, like, it has been to our detriment. Um, I, I, I think, like, I think I say in the book that, like, at a certain point we've got to start pretending we have, we have zero Stanley Cups, you know. Say that number 25, well, 24, waiting for 25 that, is hanging over you. You know, and I think it's, killing, it, it's killed us. And I think that plus... The Habs, as an organization, they have considerations beyond winning hockey games that other teams just don't have to worry about. And, you know, so if you're, if you're in a league with a bunch of teams whose uh, sole obligation is to win hockey games, and you have to be this sort of cultural, linguistic institution and political institution. Now, by the way, I'm not saying we shouldn't be that. 
that's again one of the things that makes us the have. So like you know, but I also know that it's kind of, it's it's, it's made us shoot ourselves in the foot in the foot a lot of times. And so I I, I think that between our history, between the unique sort of part of the world that our team lives in, uh, you know, and and you know the salary capture doesn't help, you know, because uh, we we have a bunch of money we could be spending. <laughs> Do you wish there was no cap? Oh, 100% I do. Yeah. I, I'm torn on that. I wish there was exemptions. I hate the idea that guys are made to feel guilty, like a Connor McDavid for, you know, taking money because it's going to hurt them. And this, you know, you should take a discount, what Brendan Shanahan said to a bunch of the Leafs the other day. They shouldn't have to do no. that. I wish there was a way that at least, like, the top players, they can give them whatever. For me, it's also, it's this. Like, I, 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 I <clears throat> to, to be wealthy enough to buy or own a hockey team, you know, an American hockey team, one, one assumes one must be a pretty ardent capitalist to get there and make that money, right? To be rich enough, to make enough money to own a fucking hockey team, you have to be a pretty serious capitalist. So how come they're the guys that cry parody as soon as this is the first business venture that starts hemorrhaging money for them, right? How does, you know, and there's no parody in sports. There's winners and losers. And, and like, and, and, and by the way, like, if you're a fan of the Leafs, or the Habs. Do you want to know why your team has more money? Because more of you give a shit about it. So we should be rewarded for that. And we should be able to, and by the way, just having a big bank account doesn't guarantee anything. Like the Rangers in the 90s would, you know, confirm that. So I, 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 it's like, but it sure would help. Have you ran into Batman ever? And if you did, what, what would you say to him? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, mer mercifully, I haven't. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have very many nice things to say, you know. I, I, I like, and I wouldn't like be like, oh, I feel bad. I, I trust me. I know you got a hard job. No, I feel none of that. Like you, you, <laughs> you, you have consistently tried to gut the heart out of uh, the Canadian heart out of this sport, and I, and and I, and I, and and all of that is made that much more. Um, awful by the fact that we are constantly the people watching the game the most. And I, I you know, so I, I, there, I have no love lost with him and his administration. Uh, in, in, the, in the hate letter you write to the Nordiques, you say, I hate you, but I'd kind of like to see you back. Yeah, right? man. For the sake of Canadian 100%. hockey and the rivalries and all those 100%. things. 100%. And same when I write my hate letter to the Leafs, like, me hating the Leafs is the highest fucking compliment I can pay them, right? right? Like, I didn't write a hate letter to the Vancouver Canucks. You know? <laughs> Arizona. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Damn you, Lawson Krause, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, like, just now, couldn't care less. <laughs> back to your Habs, though. They are 6-2-2. Two, and two. Uh, I don't know with all this stuff going on and you're finishing a movie, if you've had much time, but mm -hmm. do, do you believe in this new version of them, that maybe there's something there? I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> you're I, back, I, baby. Yeah, it's like, but that's, that, there's, a, there's a joke in Montreal. Um, <laughs> anytime we, we, like, come out of a period, you know, and it's 0-0, zero, zero, and we haven't let in a goal, everybody starts saying, oh, it's not a coupe. It, sounds, it smells like the cup. The cup's coming back. It's just like, it's like but, and, 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 and what you just saw was the reason why that's a joke. Because, like, yeah, uh, this time a month ago, I was like, oh, this is going to be bleak. This is the shittiest. This is going to be garbage. Six, two, and two. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling good, you know. Um, but, but I think it goes to, uh, I hate to say this, it goes to my point that I said about, the, the weight of expectation, right? Like, this is a team that none of us expected anything from, and the league and the world expected nothing from. Um, and without that expectation, they've been able to just go out and play hockey and play exciting, fast, entertaining hockey. And so long as Carey's healthy, like, yeah, I, I, I see us I, I, I see us on the postseason. How long we go, who knows? But it's a funny game that way, isn't it? Like that that can happen sometimes when the expectations are the lowest and somehow some sort of magical chemistry that we can't define get into crowd replacement options here, guys. So uh, option one is to just have a crowd, right? A whole bunch of extras and a you know, 3,000 person stadium, whatever. Um, that is the definition of diminishing returns because they all have to pee and get fed and drink water and all that stuff. And it takes 45 minutes to get them in and seated and then 45 minutes to get them out for a life. What the hell would I get to do with that? So that was clearly no. Uh, and we only have 11 hours in a working day. Then it's, oh, do we do the cardboard 
door cutouts again? Well, that looked fucking horrible, so no. Um, then someone's like, oh, you know what they did in, uh, I think it was some foot, one of the football movies, blow-up dolls. I was like, that's, no, we're not doing blow-up dolls either. And so then really the only other option is, um, yeah, uh, digital crowd replacement. And you kind of have, like, and it's really, really scary because you can, like, cut the hell out of a movie through nine months of editing and be like, finally get to a point where like, all right, this is the movie I set out to make. I, I'm real proud of this. I die for this movie. Except for there are 700 shots that I have no idea how they're going to turn out. There's this gaping hole in the movie that I don't have any real control over beyond, uh, you know, giving notes. I just have to like give these shots to the VFX people. They'll send them back to me for approvals. And, and then it's like, the, the definition of tedious of like, because they, they don't send you scenes, they send you shots. So it's you get the a whole quick, you gotta get like hundreds of little two second quick time files of just crowds. And you're like, and is this, is this shot okay? Like, no, I see the same fucking shirt seven times in one section. Like, that looks terrible, you know? Um, and I remember, I might as well say because I don't think they did it. I, I was like, can, can there be an ET in the background somewhere? <laughs> And we'll just, like, if you put a jersey and a hat on him, he'll just look like a sick kid. So, so, and so... Not in there? I don't think so. <laughs> that would be because amazing. The, the goal was to put Goon, to make Goon and, um, an E.T. part of a shared universe, <laughs> which would also make Star Wars and Goon part of a shared universe, because right. the E.T.s are in one of those movies, too. <laughs> um, but I don't, I, don't, I don't think we... Uh, and we were like... Someone's like, well, wait, are you going to get permission? I'm like, no. And like, well, what happens if they do it and someone notices? And they go, so I was like, well, come on. They're going to have a sense of humor. They're going to be like, that's right. stupid. That's not how it works. You, you, get, right. you get sued for that. That's why I can say it because they never did it. The other thing I know you get asked all the time is how much is script and how much is ad-libbing. And uh, there's a lot of script, but I, I think one of the great things about you as a director, too, is you let guys go. My limited experience, uh, the, the scenes we filmed for Goon 2 were all done on the Sports Center set yep. with uh, uh, T.J. Miller. Yep. I always say JT Miller played in the NHL, and I, I always, when I'm doing highlights, call him TJ Miller, and then it's called TJ JT Miller. But uh, he's a lunatic. And uh, like, so Jay had, we had like scripts because we had to get from place to place in the screen, but then he just let TJ go. And it was just, I was, uh, the hardest time I had was not cracking up because he started doing all these Sports Center taglines. You know, he'd be like, Sports Center, fuck yeah. And what was it? Sports it's not, Center. It's not delivery, it's Sports Center. Sports yeah. Center, we're all pink on the inside. <laughs> that was good. And, it's uh, good time. We have a good time. Yeah, <laughs> we have, have a good, good time. time. No, but that happens a lot, right? In those scenes, you, you, you feed them, you, they tell them where to go, and even when you're doing them, but whatever yeah, happens, think, happens, right? I, as, long as, you, as long as you know what the moment is. You know, like, I, I think when you sort of just riff for the sake of riffing that's kind of just like a bit you know wanky but but if you know what the fucking thing is that you're supposed to do and you know the like beat you're meant to hit or what the kind of vibe and, and sort of intention of the scene is supposed to be if there's a better way for the people on the floor to say it than what I've written well obviously they sh I should go with what they come up with right and so you know I was lucky enough to direct a second movie this summer and and it's a you know very, very different than, than Goon 2. A lot of people get stabbed very horribly in this movie. And so I did... Well, some, what's it called? What's it called oh, it's called Random Acts of Violence. Coming out? Uh, oh, well, around this time next year, I okay. think. And, um, and it, we, we tried to go very, very, very hard with it. And, and, and one of the things that I was most excited to do was do dramatic ad-libbing. You guys, like, you know, the, there's this industry kind of standard of, like, you, it's fine to riff on comedy stuff, but you shouldn't riff on serious stuff. And I think that's just be down to it's way easier to riff funny stuff than it is to riff serious stuff. Um, or not funny stuff, I should say. Um, but I was really interested in that. And so I, like, have, like, there's a SUV with three... Uh, three 20 year olds in it and they all get stabbed to death. And I fucking was just like, whatever is gonna come out of you is better than whatever words I attempted to, you know, like I, you know. What do you write on the page for that? Ah, ooh, ah! Yeah, fuck what's happening, oh my God, all that shit. And you know, so I was, I, I would much rather them fucking just react. 
you know, and I, you know, and have a guy come in and I'd be like, well, what would you do if some weirdo came at you with a knife? You'd probably just fucking scream and, you know, get uncomfortable. Right. But if you're doing Million Dollar Baby with Clint Eastwood and you're doing a scene with Morgan Freeman, are you, do you riff at all? Or Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> like that is line by line on yeah, the page? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Although, like, I might have loved, like, I might have gotten too comfy and, like, you know, Day one, I'm nervous, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get fired. Day two, I, like, get my sea legs because it went well. Day three, I'm, like, going to try putting a bit of something on it. And I, no, <laughs> no so, don't well, do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, let's get questions from you guys. Right there. Uh, sure. My name's Anna. Uh, it's not really a hockey question, although it might be based on your answer. Um, you would have uh, grown up with the Canadian media where CanCon was all TV movies about turn of the century maritimes and yeah. northern Ontario and such, yeah. and then a period of Canadian franchises of American things. Yeah. What would you like to see more of in Canadian media, either television or movies today? Yeah, I think uh, um, pretend the rest of the world doesn't exist and assume you don't, you know, why, why, you know, we, we, we take chances, make awesome shit, be competitive, fight hard, you know, like I, 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 it's all there for the taking, you know, and so I think like, you know, if, if a movie is made by Canadians in Canada, uh, you know, that, that makes it a Canadian movie and I think we got to start making shit for everybody, like, you know, for, for, for too long we've made either the sort of precious kind of Victorian stuff you're talking about, or we've made movies for film students alone. And, and I think, and those are fine. I'm not saying don't make the Victorian stuff and don't make, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in addition to that, there's also a bunch of Canadians that will go see uh, a, a, a movie with a bunch of car chases and gunfights in it, or a fucking horror movie, or a comedy, or any of these things. And our cinema should reflect that, which it does in French. In, in, in Quebec, the Quebec, uh, Quebec film and television is as diverse um, as people are. And, and, and that's because, for a bunch of different reasons, it's allowed, it, the, the art form has been able to reach a kind of level of maturation where it's okay to be artsy in one movie, but also have a goofy rom-com in, in, in the same multiplex, right? And, and, and so I, I think that we got to kind of make movies that reflect the interests of the of our of our country, um, and 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 I think that like we got to go aggressive and and be psyched to show the world what we have, and and they're not the world isn't interested in half measures, right? And so for us to just try to do our version of American shit, we we will always lose that fight because we don't have the resources they have, but we can do shit they don't have. You know, sometimes a lack of resources can be a benefit because when you have less resources, it means you answer to less masters. And when you answer to fewer masters, you get to go way fucking harder, right? So, like, we, 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 were no, we would not have been able to make either of the Guten films in the States. Um, they'd have been noted to death. They'd have been noted to death because of how uh, crass the language was and how fucking violent they are, right? Um, do you want to know the notes Telefilm gave us? Um, all right, well, when you guys write a script, uh, send it over. Yeah, it's great. Make the movie. We're, you know, that's that. And, and, and because we, we went, we tried to go hard, right? And so I would tell people when I was hiring everyone for Goon 2, this movie's competition isn't another Canadian movie, and this movie's competition isn't uh, another indie movie. We, we should make this movie's competition as the fucking Avengers. They can do stuff we can't, but we can do stuff they can't. And, you know, and so I, I think go hard, go real, and, and, and yeah, and we gotta, we gotta stop being sort of reactionary and scared, I think. Thank you. Thank you. So, kind of awkward reactionary question to that. Totally not planned, sorry. <laughs> Full disclosure, I'm from South Louisiana where they don't have hockey, right. but my little brothers have seen your movie and they're excited, they saw your oh, movie. awesome. Right? So I moved, I moved up here a year ago. And now they actually, they're like, cool, I want to read his book. So this is nice. going to be their first introduction to hockey. How do you feel about that? Meaning, besides your films, 
Yeah, this I mean, this is gonna be there because they don't get it on TV. Yeah, it's, sure. It's not a thing. No, my stepdad's so from Louisiana. Like I know that. So it's almost like the opposite of what yeah. she just asked. Totally not planned. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. We just met. How do I feel about your your family learning hockey through from my book? From this book because they're stoked to read it because they yeah, like you. Yeah, that's nice. So um, they're like, oh, cool, we're gonna I'm grab sure this book. I'm but sure they don't know anything about Canada or yeah, right. hockey. Yeah. Besides yeah, um, that, I just moved up here. Thanks. Yeah, I I assume there's a bunch of people. There's a bunch of hockey people in Canada who would, who would like a different ambassador to the game than me. Um, but, uh, but no, I'm psyched. I'm proud. I'm glad they dig the flicks, and I and I hope they dig the book too. Hey, uh, so your quest, your point about uh, the Habs history. Yeah. Um, who who is that pressurizing? Is it management or is uh, Philip Dano feeling that? Who do you I, think? I think anyone that puts on that sweater, especially if you grow up in Quebec, feels that. Yes, hundred hundred percent. I mean, why do you think Le Cavalier never came home? Right? Like, like they, they, like it's there. There is um, there. There is a weight and a pressure to it that in, that informs everything. Um, and you know, the Habs can pretend that the biggest fish, the, the most important thing, is is getting a Stanley Cup. But it just isn't, and it hasn't been for a while. There are a bunch of other things of equal importance to that organization, um, and and I, you know, wonder. I wonder and question what effect that has on the quest for the cup. Does that make you, sense? When you were watching Tim's video, you loved every second of it, but you recoiled at the highlight of PK scoring. I know that's. Are those wounds still open, gaping fresh, for you? Fresh and they're 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 on the turn. I, I they're they're. I don't know what that means. They're they're infected. Yeah. No. I I will be pissed off about that one forever. I'll be pissed off about that one forever. Um, because uh, yeah, as I say in 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 the book, it, it sort of trade trades like that. Uh, remind you just how tenuous and fragile and, and straw man fandom is. You know, and, and, and because if they can trade him, they can trade anybody. And if they can trade anybody, what the fuck is the point of me following it? And, and you know what I'm, and, and so, and, and that's always there. That's always the elephant, that, that, that's always an element, and we can ignore it. And, you know, and I, I look, look, six, two, and two, and I'm ignoring all that shit. But I, I, I when something like that, a guy that um, wanted to play for no other team, you know, a guy who, when he gets drafted, says, I'm, I'm here to win the, bring the Stanley Cup back to Montreal, um, guy rooted for that team his whole life, and, uh, and is a fan favorite, and you trade him. Was that the closest they came to losing you, maybe? Yeah. Oh, definitely. They definitely lost me for a minute, um, you know, because that that happened, and I finished cutting Goon Two, and so I overdosed on the game on my in, on the on, on my computer, um, and then the Habs broke my fucking heart, and 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 it makes you feel futile because there's nothing I can do, right? Like, what am I going to write a placard and, and go in front of the Bell Center and protest something after the fact? Like, that does nothing. And me taking a year off from watching does nothing. The team is as it always is and will do what it does. And so it's this like, so the only thing I can kind of do is, uh, you know, I, 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 I stopped watching for a minute, a quarter in protest, three quarters because I couldn't stand to see them without him. All right, uh, Jay. Hi there. Um, tell me a little bit about the writing process. You're such a busy guy. Where'd you find time to do this? Was it when you're on a plane? Or yeah. Was it all done at one time or over many years? Well, thank you for uh, for for saying I'm busy. I appreciate that. Uh, um, that's nice. Uh, no, I mean it. That's nice of you to say. Uh, I think, right? That's a, anyway. Um, yeah, uh, whenever I could, and I I kind of um, sometimes you just like there's. When, when you got a bunch of shit going on, there's kind of never going to be a right time. So you kind of just got to force a right time. And, uh, and so I would just, you know, my, my poor fiance, Rebecca, who's here, God bless her, she had to suffer through months and months where I was just useless as a human being because I would go down to my basement for hours all day. You know, I get into this real 
real kind of heavy routine. I come out of there with a real fucking prison pallor every supper time. And, 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 and also, a weird thing I noticed was, like, you know, I would try to give myself a minimum of, of like, uh, 2,500 to 3,000 words a day. And if I did that, I'd feel like, okay, I, 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 can, I, can, I can take it, I can relax for a sec. Um, but what I found was, after getting 3,000 words out of my head, I had fucking none to come out of my mouth, <laughs> you know? And so I, I, I was like kind of a, kind of a zombie, you know? Um, but it was, uh, it, it, it was a lot of, it was a lot of uh, going down a path, thinking there was something here, realizing that this isn't a chapter. This is a vibe. This is a piece of maybe one paragraph, you know? Or, or, um, or the, the, best was, the best was when chapters would present themselves, you know, which, which didn't happen, di didn't always happen, but, but, but like, like, like the dad chapter, my, my, my dad chapter presented itself, my sort of epiphany for that, it was like, I, I made this stupid, I, I had this stupid idea of like, I'll rent a cabin away from distractions and I'll type. And uh, no, that's not what happened. I took a bunch of naps, got bit by a fucking shitload of mosquitoes, and went home two days early. Um, but the one thing that was worthwhile was, to me, was I was on the porch, and I had this idea that um, the Habs were really, really awesome in the 70s. And that's when my dad was in his 20s. And that's when he was young and virile, and the world was, was his. Um, and then the Habs got shittier and shittier, marked by, with the exception of two bright spots in uh, 86 and 93. And then I saw my dad as well. His life got harder and shittier, except for the two kind of bright spots in my birth and my sister's birth. You know? And when I saw that moment, and I was like, oh shit, I think my dad is the 70s Habs, and there's a connection. I think there's something there, you know? And, and, you know, th th those moments were the coolest, but they were often hard to, you know, hard to come by, you know. Um, but it was, it was I, I adored it. I, I've loved writing since I was, uh, you know, since I competed in the uh, Ontario Catholic Teachers Association creative writing uh, competition when I was in grade three. Um, and uh, so it was, it was brutal. And it beat the piss out of me, but it was also fucking rewarding. And if there was like a great paragraph, you know, that, that made it all worth it. Is that a good-ish answer? All right, cool. Hello. Uh, sorry, I'm up here. Oh. Hey. Hi. Uh, I was wondering what you, what you thought, like as a filmmaker or an actor growing up in Canada, what you think the importance of, you know, making the jump or the move to America is and whether you think that's important or... So it's it's you know I before I answer that I have to give I have to answer I have to give a sort of preface which is like I've had success in the states, so it's easy for me to say, you know, make stuff in Canada. I went and you know, did my thing down there. Um, however, I never wanted to or intended to, and you know, and I've been acting since I was a little one, since I was twelve, and everyone's like, oh, so you go to L.A. one day, and I was like, no, absolutely not, never, never. I was like, if somehow a job brings me down there, I will go. But I'm not, like, I, I, I like where I live. My goal was, I'll be a kid actor, I'll quit at 18. Um, if I have whatever money I've been able to save up, I'll live off of, I'll write a bunch of screenplays in a studio apartment, I'll work at a video store, and I'll make fucking straight-to-video horror movies in Montreal the rest of my life. And I was, like, looking forward to that, right? Um, and then I got a job in the States, and it brought me down there. Uh, now, my life has been profoundly affected by that career that I've had down there. Um, but at the same time, I would never have left if I didn't get that first gig that brought me there. So it's, it's a weird one because like, I, I am like philosophically opposed to the brain drain in every fucking way. Um, and, and it manifests itself in a bunch of different ways. And so long as that option exists of the brass ring lying outside of our country, people will always go and pursue it. And at a certain point, the brass ring should be in here, I would like to think. Um, now, at the same time, I do have to say that even to this day, my currency as a personality, as an actor, as a whatever um, in Canada 
is greatly informed by my American career, you know. So I, I would like to think that, you know, Canada would love me even if I didn't do a bunch of movies in the States. But I don't, I can't say that for sure. Um, but I dream of a time when uh, there's those kids from LA and New York are moving up here. I dream of a time where, where, where that, you know, my grandparents' generation had to go to England to be taken seriously in Canada. My parents' generation might have to go to the States to be taken seriously in Canada. And that's just got to fucking stop at some point. Um, I was lucky in the family I was raised in. My family is uh, a lot, lot, of, lot of military in my family. My mother grew up in an army base. Most of her sisters married soldiers. I grew up around my cousins, my aunts, my, my cousins, my uncles, my granddad, all served this country. And so in my house, I was raised from a very early age to believe that this is the best country in the world. So I, I was not uh, a sort of... American in incubation, as you know, is often the case. You know, a kid, you know, kid is just waiting for a chance to get into NYU or whatever the fuck. You know, and I'm not going to shit on anybody who does that. But the brass ring in my family was always within Canada. So I, I but again, easy for me to say when I've had a career in LA. So I, I would like to think it's not important. You don't need to do it, but um, but it's hard for me to say. Jay over here, right here. Ah, hi. Uh, when Tim was introducing the mini film, he talked a lot about honesty, integrity, and coming from uh, and passion. And just he he looked for projects that were coming from an honest place. Your words really resemble that space. Thanks. But it seems you're busy. You got books, movies, commercials, everything. How do you stay honest? And oh, what geez. feeds your creativity? That's a, wow. Thanks. Thanks. Nice of you to say, and thank you for asking that. Uh, um, Oh, sheesh. Uh, um, well, I, 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 if, if I am still kind of that, which I like to think I am, but that's, you know, who cares what I think about that? You know, that's, that's for my lady and, and my mom and my friends to tell me, you know, if I've lost the plot or not. Um, but I, I think it, I'd like to think it comes from sort of values mom ra raised me with, uh, which is nobody owes me a goddamn thing. You know, I, I remember being nine and, and, and saying to her, I'd had my head full of nonsense off all these Hollywood movies. I said, so, so when I, when I uh, graduate high school or when I turn 16 and get a license, you guys will buy me a car, right? Like they do in the movies. And she literally laughed in my face. And she said, no, if you decide that you want a car, I'll help you figure out what job is the best one to get and how to save your money to buy that car, but it'll be yours. I said, like, okay, but you'll send me to university, right? So again, no. <laughs> if you decide you want to go to university, you'll save your money. I'll help you save your money, but I'm not sending you anywhere. The world doesn't owe you anything. Um, and she would also always tell me from a very early age, you'll, you could, any of us can be homeless inside of a week, right? And so I, I have, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing to me. And so I, I and also what's important to me hasn't changed. What's important to me is still like um, be, being with my family, being with people I love, uh, reading books I like, watching movies I like, and listening to music I like, and then when I'm lucky enough to get to make those things, to do those as well. Um, e everything else is just kind of noise, you know, and so I, 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 I think that, you know, li li living up here, being close with my family, um, and giving a shit about you know, more than being famous or some garbage, you know, I, I, I like, I just like, there's bigger fish to fry. There's always been bigger fish to fry. I had found, uh, when you were talking there, one other piece that, that I had wanted to read. Uh, it helps that hockey's the greatest sport the world has ever come up with. Uh, faster, meaner, more brutal, more elegant than any other game. Also a sport populated by far fewer assholes and high school bullies than any other. Truly a team sport individuality is a necessary evil not a model to be emulated strong tough and patient and humble the physical manifestation of all the best bits of being canadian if such a thing exists and uh, you know I, I think the same thing of you uh, when you talk about going down to the states which you've done and you've had an, an unbelievable career down there making a lot of movies but, but you stayed canadian and that's the biggest compliment i could give you thanks like, james he's just a nice dude thanks man when we were doing trade center a few years ago uh, when goon 2 was coming out I asked if Jay would help out with a couple of bits because we have nothing to do for 10 hours, as you guys know. <laughs> and I don't know, we did some ridiculous bit where he walked out of a washroom at a Harvey's 
that he came up with. And then I made him read uh, in very Shakespearean prose the... Uh, Shattenkirk. Yeah, trade. the conditions. There was like 18 conditions on a Kevin Shattenkirk trade. And Jay read them. <laughs> and anyway, just in what you were saying, I, I think the biggest compliment you could give this guy is that he is a big star down there. But he, the reason I think he's back here is because he's Canadian, in thanks, essence, James. which means he's just a damn only, good dude. Thanks, man. It's the only place in the world I want to be. The only place in the world I care what people think of me. How are we doing on time? Do we have any more before we yeah, go? Yeah, we, we have gotta... one more audience okay. question. All right, cool. That's a good one. He told me already. Oh, awesome. Okay, so we all grew up watching hockey, and I'm sure you grew up watching hockey broadcasts, mm -hmm. and you've been behind the camera. Um, if you were to produce or direct an actual live hockey game, oh, what would cool. your vision be? Oh, fuck, that's a wicked question. Uh, awesome. That's awesome. That's from one of the producers, by the way, of Hockey Night in Canada. <laughs> that's why it was such a good question. Um, I would add at least one kind of uh, film camera to the proceedings, because, like, you know, whenever you'd see the NFL shit a week later, it always looks so fucking awesome because they shoot, but they have like one film camera. Like, I'd add that into the mix. Um, I think there's kind of cool vantage points that haven't been explored yet. Um, you know, a, a gimmicky one that I still love whenever you're at the Olympics is the fucking overhead thing. I, I, I think that's a great vantage point. Um, I think it would be wicked to have uh, cameramen. Uh, you know, in, in the, where the photographers post up where that little hole is, if you had a cameraman with a fucking steady cam on him, you could get some really, really interesting images. Um, and, and like, definitely it isn't GoPro stuff. <laughs> I, 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 is it okay? Are we, is it enough time with GoPro? Is it, can we fucking say it looks like shit? Like, I, I, it's neat that we can stick them on stuff. It's neat that we can stick them on stuff, but they look like garbage. Um, so I, I, uh, I, I think you could add a you, you you could sneak a bit of cinema into it, which which I think people would uh, would appreciate. Um, no puck tracker, that's definitely true. I don't want to see any pink pucks. Yeah. All right, so that wraps up the audience and the Q and A with James with Jay. Uh, thank you everyone so much for Thanks coming for and thank coming, you, uh, James and Jay. Thank you everyone. Thank you. And just a note, uh, if you bought the book or you have one and you brought it here, there will be an autograph signing coming up right now. But the, the signing is only if you have the book. Um, you won't sign your, like, face or, like, a napkin. I don't know. I don't know what people ask you to sign, but it is uh, only a book signing. So with that being said, if you don't have a book, if you want one, which <laughs> I do after that Q&A, that was awesome. Uh, they're for sale over there. If you want to give a wave, Kevin. Over there, he has a few books left for sale, so if you want to read the book, if you want to get one now and get it autographed by Jay, you can do so uh, right, right now, basically. So thank you, everyone, for thank coming, you for and coming thanks again and to both of you. Everyone.